0: This time, by far the greatest team, pre-season specials. Hello and welcome to by far the greatest team, a podcast in which football fans attempt to decide once and for all who is the greatest football team of all time. My name's Graham Dunn, and together with my fellow self-appointed Arbiter of Football Greatness, Jamie Rooney, and our guests over the various weeks, we have covered over 13 dedicated podcasts and an end-of-season review. We've put 28 teams under the microscope of greatness. Each week, we place them into one of five primary categories of greatness, from all-time greats at the top through tree, true greats to a touch of greatness in the middle before dipping down to edge of greatness and our bottom-of-the-tier category, blinkered greats. You can check out all the teams and our rankings so far at our website, chewingthewildrover.com. We've reached the end of our first season but that isn't it. You are going to be hearing from us over the summer, aren't you, Jamie? You are indeed.
1: We don't want to go silence over the summertime. So whilst we're doing preparation, um, you know, in our summer camp in the south of Spain, we've got a few little pre-season bite-sized friendlies to share with you. Some teams that probably wouldn't make our normal edit, but we think very important and definitely worth knowing about. So over the next few weeks between... Now when we kick off on the 3rd of August with our second season, we will be covering the teams such as So Lemry from Madagascar, an incredible story of an incredible scoreline. We're also going to be talking about Galt FC, who travelled down to St. Louis in 1904 to play in the Olympic Games and represented Canada. We're also going to be talking about the first ever Women's World Cup. No, not the one in 91, the one in 1970. And when Denmark were able to travel to Italy and beat all before them. We're then going to finish up before we get into season two with a lovely hometown story. Harlow Town, 1979, 1980, a a team from the lower tiers going all the way to the fourth round of the FA
0: Cup. These are great stories and in the true um, style of the pod. Whilst we are on our pre-season training regime, we can still be reached in all all places. So that is on social channels at uh, by far the greatest FC or on Twitter, myself at said and done. That's D-U-N-N. And Jamie, how do people get hold of you?
1: I'm on Twitter as Couch Pandito, a rather unfortunate name that I picked around about 10 years ago that stuck. It seems a bit apt from now, but we're doing this thing. I'm also uh looking after our by far the greatest team Insta account where we're posting some of the stickers that we like to collect along our journey. So
0: do keep in touch, do keep listening to the back catalog and before we speak to you again for the prime season, enjoy our pre-season friendlies. We're going to Madagascar, not necessarily a hotbed of football. A team, SO Emreen. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, Stade Olympique Emreen. We're going back to 2002. In Madagascar at the time, there's the THB Champions League tournament, ends up in a four team playoff. And. SEO andrene are they're actually the current holders. They won the title in um, in two thousand and one, the first time they'd ever done that in their history. And at the end of their second game, they're winning two one. Uh, they're well placed to um, uh, make their way through this tournament, so they're winning two one. And there's a extremely controversial last minute uh, refereeing decision. There's um, I think it's a last minute penalty is given against them. End up drawing the game two-two, and with that, their chance of winning the title for a second consecutive year is over. And you know that decision is is rumbling with them; they, they don't like that much. There's, they've also stuck with, uh, you know, something we touched on in a previous pod, which is this dead rubber scenario. Essentially, the third, fourth playoff. Only in this instance, they're left with uh, a final game against their rivals, Adima. Now. Details of exactly what happened are sketchy. Uh, you know, so everything is based on reports, on hearsay, bits and pieces. There's no footage available for for any of this. They play this game, I think, about a week after the previous decision, the previous game. So, you know, they have had time for for things to calm down since uh, since that controversial last minute decision. They go into this game. Reportedly, an argument ensues. Between the coach and the referee, which inflames this whole feeling of refereeing bias against them, and uh, the coach decides to hatch a plan, take perfectly rational, and normal step. Decides, I, I think we should protest this. What kind of protest should we, should we do to do this? And and Jeremy, what uh, what protest do they come up with?
1: <laughs> it's the most bizarre. And intriguing process, I think football history has probably ever witnessed. And and it's a remarkable outcome which goes into the Guinness Book of Records. So, like you, Graham, my knowledge of Madagascan football isn't as great as I'd like it to be. Um, I hadn't come across any teams from Madagascar previously. Um, a couple of films, but not, um, football teams. And you're right, Graham. I mean, I, sh- I have to confess I've struggled to find a lot of information. So their protest is that they decide that they are going to start the game and they're going to score in their own net, and they're going to continue to do this for the whole ninety minutes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and in fairness, they take to their task very impressively. They stick to it. So, as you say, a dim kick off, and um, shortly after that, So Enrine get the ball, proceed to kick it into their own net, kick off again. It's their kickoff this time. kick it into their own net. And and they proceed to do this 149 times. Yes, 149 (laughs) times in a 19-minute game. 149-0. The nil is not surprising because the only touch uh, Adima have is from their initial play from the kickoff. Because of course, once they've kicked off, and this is a fl- this is a flaw that the rulemakers hadn't really factored in. Because it's probably quite reasonable to think no side would be immediately trying to score, deliberately score no goal from kickoff. Is that every time they scored no goal from kickoff, they immediately restarted with the ball? So they always had the ball, and then they kick off at the start of the second half as well. So there's no <laughs> there's no opportunity for anything to change on this. And so the reports are of the opposition just looking on as just perplexed bystanders. But if you're really committed to it, there's no way you can even get, you can barely get into the half before they kicked it back into the goal 149 times. The protest was definitely made.
1: It's totally perplexing. It's baffling that it's enduring <laughs> they would do this for the full ninety minutes, uh, and baby, it's it's a goal. It's a goal every thirty six seconds, which is incredible. <laughs> Players go down injured for way longer than that in most games hmm. of football. <laughs> Obviously, it predates so many things, but opta stats on this one and heat maps <laughs> would be just fantastic. I mean, you got a team that's won one hundred and forty nine nil, and you look at their. Their statistics, and they've had no shots on goal. <laughs> they haven't touched. They haven't touched the ball in the opponent's half. <laughs> it's just incredible.
0: Uh, what is disappointing is, is it's not clear whether you know people took turns lining up, scoring on goals like they're on like it's Murder on the Orient Express and it's Agatha Christie, and they're all taking it in turns to put the knife in. It's that might not even be the right Agatha Christie, but the I'd like to know whether. You know, was it just one player? Uh, Was it the same player? Were they competing to see who could score the most on goals? Were any of the players kind of not, hadn't bought into this and were trying to sabotage it themselves? (laughs) Unfortunately, very little footage of this, very little uh, reports of it. What does appear to have happened that, that, you know, the crowd, obviously, I mean, there's a a crowd there to watch. You can imagine there'll be some fans in there go, I know we can't win the league this year, but. You know, I reckon if we if we come second, that would be a real tonic to boost us for next season. So I, I fancy a chances of getting a result there. <laughs> Hello, something's on, something's up. <laughs> Just <laughs> and, surreal.
1: And, and at what point, if you're a fan and you're watching this and there were, I, 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 at, w- at what point do you stop getting angry at what's going <laughs> on? And start enjoying it and almost cheering goals against your team. Because you you can't stop it. The, the script has been laid out. The agenda is clear. You know what you're going to be watching for the next 90 minutes. And if you choose to stay there, you've got to get on board with it, surely. You've got to enjoy it.
0: Definitely so. Great credit to them. The previous highest score uh, or heaviest defeat to that stage was 34-0. So they've they've not just beaten that record, they've absolutely smashed it. There were some repercussions. The coach is banned for four years. Uh, three or four of the players are banned for the rest of the season. Interestingly, the referee. There's no action taken against the referee, which is which is seen as interesting. I mean, I think most referees might consider abandoning the game uh, at some point or another. <laughs> but fair play to him for just allowing this this situation to continue to proceed in, in absolute, absolutely farcical levels. That was sort of the kind of end of, if there was a golden period for. So Enrin, that was the end of it. That was the 2001 was to be the only Madagascan title they were to ever lift. Unfortunately.
1: And here they are noted in the history books for the heaviest defeat of all time. And, I think even if somebody deliberately set out with a task to try to beat it, it they're going to be up against it. I mean, a goal every 35 seconds seconds—it sounds <laughs> straightforward, but you've still got to get the ball back to the centre spot and you've still got to get into the goal. So I think if somebody was to kind of take on the task to try to beat this um this record, this remarkable record, I think it would take some beating. I don't think it's an easy one to beat.
0: No, it is right up there. But trying to deliberately score an own goal is not as unusual as it as it might appear. As um, anyone, who's watched Richard Dunn play would have any uh, appreciation. <laughs> I apologise, of course, to Richard or, Dunn, or, who uh, or,
1: or Jamie Carragher,
0: or Jamie Carragher. Richard Dunn is the oh, I always like Richard Dunn as a uh, as a defender. He. Uh, holds the record for the most own goals in Premiership history, 10 of them. There's a bunch on seven, which Jamie Carragher is one. I was delighted to see uh Michael Dubry pack five Premiership own goals because, of course, um, Michael Dubry played for Oxford for a while and, and quite memorably for us uh in a game against Hereford managed to convert two own goals uh, in the same game <laughs> before popping up with a last minute equ- uh, equaliser. So, Three of the four goals were Michael Doubrey's, um, the two of them own goals. But interestingly, he say, he was say he said, and I think this is probably true of Richard Dunn and, you know, a lot of these players, uh, who, who do it. It's the type of defenders they are. They are making those kind of last ditch kind of tackles, last ditch kind of saves, which puts them in that danger. That did seem like it was a well-worn line from somebody who had made a, a series of own goals over the years. Interestingly, and maybe something for Harry Kane to consider. He's on three own goals at the moment in Premiership history. He is joint 45th on the list of own goals in the Premiership. And I fancy he might have another one in him. I think I'd like to see him move further up those ranks. What
1: part of Harry Kane could be tempted to go for the uh, the Richard Dunn record? And then whilst he's also <laughs> going for the Alan Shearer record, so he could end his career be cool. the highest goal scorer in Premier League history as well as the most owned goals in Premier League history. I mean, that's a wonderful <laughs> double. I mean, it's the only double Tottenham are going to win.
0: <laughs> Definitely so. So um, these guys weren't deliberately trying to score own goals, but there is a game where another game, both teams have been trying to score own goals. I think this is an even more glorious game than the end one. So this is, I don't know if you're familiar with this game, it's Barbados v Grenada. 94 and due to this amazing quirk and this is the classic example of unintended consequences so it was about the time the golden goal was coming in or had come in and that we think that big unintended consequence of, of the golden goal was that all football would become really boring in extra time the idea was oh could you imagine if you went into the Extra time and it was next goal wins, we're back on the playground. There'll be something glorious to uh, emerge with the tension. And actually all that happened was that teams <laughs> defended and didn't try and score for half an hour and penalties became more regular and they're really sort of really dull. But what the the extra unintended consequence of it is if you came up with a rule where I'll tell you what, the golden goal's so special, that's worth two goals. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing could go wrong with that, could it? Unless perhaps you end up in unusual circumstances, as they did in the Caribbean, where Grenada uh, are topping the group. And um, as long as they don't lose to Barbados by two goals or more, uh, Grenada will go through. And Barbados will go through if they win by two goals or more. You can start to see things going wrong. Uh, Barbados uh, go 2-0 up. Everything is normal, everything's sort of fine. And then the trouble hits when a grader pull not so much a consolation goal, a vital full one goal back to make it 2-1. And then the game sort of carries on as normal for a bit until you get three minutes from the end where Barbada start to realise that what's more likely, them scoring in the next three minutes or maybe having another half an hour and getting a golden goal, which will count twice. <laughs> and they take the ultimate step, don't they? And they convert into their own net. And with three minutes to go, scores level, 2-2, extra time. That then gives them the chance to get their two-goal margin just by scoring one goal in extra time. But Grenada work out what's happening, don't they, Jamie?
1: <laughs> I mean, it's just... I. Fully commend the tactical awareness in the 87th, 88th minute where Barbados realized that by having an extra 30 minutes, they're going to greatly increase their chances of getting a golden goal, which is, which counts as double, which would be the two goals that they, they need to win over trying to get and scramble a, a third goal to win 3-2 and thus go out. I, I think it's highly commendable and it takes some coordination as well. I mean, If you're on the pitch and your 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 team is set out to win a game of football and then suddenly, within a matter of moments, you've got this tactical instruction to score an own goal, that surely (laughs) creates confusion. To convey the message across the team that actually us scoring against us actually benefits us. I mean, it goes against everything you've ever known about football. But to convey that message and to get it across and to execute it, in that time frame, I think it's highly commendable. I, I think it's, I mean, it's smart, but they do go into the golden goal period, and they, then they do take advantage of this ridiculous
0: rule. But of course, before they get into the extra time, Grenada, then it occurs to them that <laughs> as long as there is another goal, they will go through because if they score the goal, it's so the score in the right net. They Win 3-2, so they go through on, on points alone. But if they lose 3-2, if they concede another goal and lose 3-2, they also go through on goal difference because there's only a one-goal margin rather than two-goal margin. And so in what I can only think of is the most surreal passage of football, only sadly a shockingly short three-minute period of football. Grenada realised that they can score in either net that's and right, go through. Right, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, but I hadn't occurred to me conveying that message across the eleven. Hang on, oh, we, are, are we're trying to score in our own goal now, or, or not? Or... <laughs> and sadly, again, I searched for some footage because I so want to see this. But basically, it turns a genuine game of football into a training match where you're going, all right, uh, bibs, you're trying to score into both goals, and non-bibs, you're trying to. um trying to stop them for three minutes it's that kind of i mean where would you stand what how would you set up do, presumably the the barbados players can't stand in the way you know they can't block grenada defenders from scoring their got otherwise they'll be well no they won't be offside i guess because it will be passed back from the opposition so maybe they can do that so do you just position five on either side absolutely extraordinary barbados I don't think they can claim the moral high ground as they definitely started it, but to their credit, they do manage to prevent Grenada scoring in either net, and it does go to extra time, and uh, Barbados get their golden goal, get their two goals, go through and successfully fail at the next hurdle, and don't qualify (laughs) after the next group. (laughs) So, there is some sort of justice, but That, I mean, that story is just extraordinary thing, isn't
1: it? It is. And this is the type of things we want to showcase. I mean, this is similar to what we talked about with Austria and West Germany, the the disgrace of Yon, um, when Algeria were denied a place. These are, these are the, the idiosyncrasies in football that make the game incredible and fascinating and for that 3 minute period i mean we are talking about so leme uh, my pronunciation of madagascan and <laughs> french names is is not very good i'm apologising in advance um but here we are talking about another game barbados and uh, grenada where they're, they, they they decide to to play against their own goalkeepers in the last few minutes of a competitive football match just to gain <laughs> the upper ground on a ridiculous rule that uh, had been introduced to make football more interesting,
0: and it did. <laughs> it was definitely more interesting. Definitely more interesting. The the two goal golden goal didn't last. That was also ended at the after this. There was a lot of um, animosity, I think, in, in both those matches. The, the legacy is, is impressively... They're in the history books, but probably not for the best of reasons. I suppose we should think about where S.O. Loret... I should pronounce My pronunciation is terrible, but I think it is. Uh, S.O. Emrine, where they rank in the in the greatness of football. <laughs> I, I mean, it's the greatest protest. The first thing I've got to say, it is the greatest protest. I mean, I, I don't know if you can imagine... A petulant player Jamie someone who might you know have a <laughs> petulant streak in them who who might who might be prone to to storming off the off the pitch or you know whatever it is <laughs> but the level of commitment to decide to go out and score 149 own goals if it sort of puts any other protest To shame, really, because no other protest could possibly match that. You know, there's no turning backs during the national anthem. It's nothing like that. It's no kind of not shaking hands at the end of the game. You know, whatever it is. No, no, we're going to (laughs) absolutely make a complete farce this game. You have to admire their commitment to the cause. But they are blinkered great, surely, Jamie. Can you come up with anything else? I, yes,
1: I can. Um, and just to go back and answer your question, I can't think of any petulant footballers right now, Graham, but, um, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll, th- I'll think that one over. I completely get what you're saying about the protest. It's a farcical, stupid protest <laughs> where I can't imagine what was going through the minds of the opposition, the referee. <laughs> what does the referee do in that situation? I mean, this blowing his whistle for a kickoff. <laughs> and that's (laughs) it (laughs) he doesn't need to move at what point does he decide i don't need to do anything else other than stand here and just play my whistle every 35 seconds
0: could he not okay so could he not have once it became apparent what they were doing could he not have booked someone for ungentlemanly conduct
1: it's a really good question i mean I, i i my knowledge of Madagascan football is not great. So Madagascan uh, rules, I don't know. But if we apply the same rules that we have today, I don't think they're breaking any rules within the game. I I don't think the referee would have any grounds to book anyone because they're playing the game. They're not infringing anything. The spirit of the game and the morality of the game is definitely called into question. But is that a bookable offence?
0: Where's Peter Walton when you need him? He'd say the referee got it absolutely spot on. (laughs) i love these Walton.
1: getting back to uh soe the madagascan team that scored 149 dollars i think your bracket them into blinkered Greats is as ridiculous as what they did they they're not great we we have a bargain bucket and this is where this team (laughs) lands (laughs) here in the history of the worst football result being on the end of the worst result which they orchestrate themselves, and that's secure. That's—I don't think that's going to go away. And I'd be surprised if that's ever been. But they're not great, and <laughs> they don't deserve to be on our border
0: greatness. You are right. I mean, i i sort—I of, kind of love them, but yes, I think maybe they are in the rarely used, not great, but without them, we wouldn't be where we are today. Category are our, our, our occasional bargain bucket category, and I think that is where. S-O-E are undoubtedly not great, but without them, we wouldn't be where we are today. So that's all we have time for this week. A reminder, the full podcast returns in all its glory on Thursday, the 3rd of August. In the meantime, look out for our weekly pre-season friendlies and a reminder, you can contact us on all our social channels and we'd love to hear from you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, like, tell a friend and pass on our details and we'll speak again soon.